0: Welcome everybody to another edition of Breakthrough Morning. Academy. I'm here with Josh. Uh,
1: it's good to be here. I I love uh, that each week we we come back here and uh, you're teaching us, you know, new things, and it's sort of it's all adding up. And I feel like even further down the track, we might look back and like all these little things that we're learning that we're just using and doing yeah. in our own Bible study, and just how. So much it's helping me and, and everybody else that's being a part of this.
0: I appreciate that. And that that's my heart. It's, it's so much that it, through Breakthrough Academy, um, the heart is that we're not just teaching you what the Bible says. Yeah. We're giving you the skills to be able to study the Bible... Dig into the Bible for yourself, but not just do it in a way that becomes dry and academic, yeah. but a way that's full of the the grace and the and the and, and faith and the power of the Holy Spirit. This is not a dead book. We mm. shouldn't end up dead after reading it. If we do this right, we'll come out fired up, full of the Holy Spirit, ready to to hurt the devil's kingdom and and, and advance God's kingdom. We, we we're ready to love our neighbor and be a good family member you know it yeah you know you you want people to say go back and do some more bible study because it's it's beneficial not like oh man when you come out you're you're like it's you've been drinking on vinegar and um you know you're so serious and and upset or you're you're just so full of pride no the word of god should be enriching us and so i i want to teach you how to to dive into the word of god dig deep into it because it is important to dig deep Mm. it's not it's it's Nice to just skim off the surface, but we want to dig deep because remember what it said last week when we were studying in the book of James, it said looking intently in the Word of God. This man will be blessed. Yeah. The man who looks intently. You know that's you know, it looks, bends over, gives it his attention, gives it his full attention. And that's what we studied, we're teaching you here, how to give the word of God your full attention, and therefore to get the full benefit out of it um, by the Spirit. And So we're excited. Uh, my name's Peter Lewis. I'm a pastor at Breakthrough Church in the eastern part of Melbourne. And I'm here, and as I said before, I'm with my friend Josh, who is, comes with me to do these Bible studies and um, and join with you online so that you can be a part of what we're doing, um, no matter where you are around the world. And, um, and if you this is your first one, we welcome you. Um, we encourage you to go back and watch the other ones. You go to breakthrough.org.au, to our website, mm. and um, there's... Um, um, all the all the past episodes are available there, or you can go to our YouTube channel on Breakthrough Melbourne. And um, so, I apologise. I'm noticing our lighting is going in and out. Yeah. I think it's. I becau- keep going in and out here. Yeah, that's all right. I, I, I'm pretty sure it's the screen. It keeps trying to refocus because of the brightness of the screen. Mm. But um, please ignore that. The word will be the same. The um, the content will be the same. But we'll uh, hopefully be able to fix that eventually. But um, just want to, I'm just going to focus on what the word is saying at mm. the moment. So, Breakthrough Academy, our logo here, beautifully hand drawn, um, is the, the the Bible represented that Outlook point point. Um, Academy is all about the Word of God. You come here, you're not going to get man's opinions. We're going to dive into the Word, mm. learn how to handle the Word of God. But the middle part is um, a mountain representing the fact that we move mountains with our faith. That when we dive in, our faith grows. This is not a dead experience. We come out full of the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So, um, Josh, let's dive straight in. Let's do um, it. We, we appreciate people going to join us as, as they're able. Um, let us know when you're watching, where you're watching from. We love people that are um, um, able to join in. We encourage you. Um, what we're encouraging people to do is actually make decisions. And um, as the, as we study the Word of God, I actually encourage you to get in, involved in the process so that you're thinking about how this verse came to be as it is today, and how we read it today, so you can make healthy decisions about when you're handling it yourself, mm. what, what it looks like. Yeah. You're not just at the um, uh, you're not just relying totally on the translators. That's yeah. I guess what that's what I'm saying. Um, praise God, we live in, a, in a, an era when um, we have so much access to the Word of God in so many formats. That's the thing. It's not just the fact that the um, uh, the Word of God um, we have a Bible, but we have it in a format that we can take so much extra resource and help to understand it. So that that's a privilege, and mm-hmm. we should um, not yeah. take that lightly. It's the same, the same as the, you know, you only have to go back, you know, decades, and people had to... You know, cart Bible, Bibles around. You only had to go back centuries, yeah. a few centuries, and and to have a um, a Bible was a precious thing. And you only have to go back, you know, a thousand years, and to have a Bible in your own language mm. and to be able to read it was just like a huge benefit. So we've advanced so much. Let's make use of that. And I'm going to do this in a way when I share the Bible study today. Um, as, you, as I've shared, I'm not going to do it in a way that says, oh, this is what the Bible says. Um, I'm going to teach you an amazing truth. You just sort of sit back and go, oh, you're just the most amazing anointed Bible teacher in the world. You know, and, and I'd love the, I'd love the kudos you know. I'd say thank you. And um, no, I'm not going to actually just sort of give it to you. I'm going to actually unpack it. I'm going to help you to, to do it in a way that um, if you were doing a similar passage without me, yeah. I want you to be able to do it. I'm, so I'm not going to. I'm not going to um, try and use uh, fancy tools that aren't available. I do use um, a Bible program called eSword, but eSword is free. It's available um, for anybody, so you can um, download it yourself. Yeah. But you can also use other free um, Bible apps and Bible applications. So I'm. I'm relying on the fact that you can get access to these same things. Mm. You can do resources. Um, so I will show you where I go sometimes to look for things. I've steered away from some of my um, resources that I've got here because, you know, like fancy libraries and things I've built up over years because as a pastor and a teacher, I'm hungry. I've, I've actually invested a lot of money into my library because it's a, a resource and I've sown seed into it. I remember my 21st birthday. I'm uh, not your typical 21-year-old. My 21st <laughs> birthday, Josh... Um, People say, "Give me a list of the things that you yeah. want for your birthday." So you know, people put all the stuff they want. I had a list. My list read like um, this: Bible, this Bible, this Bible, this concordance, this um, mm. um, commentary. That's this, awesome. you know, um, I I thought it was Christmas. I put this big list of all the, all these resources that I um, was looking for. And on my twenty-first birthday, my library doubled because you know, back then I was rel- as a teenager. I was um, uh, just yeah. sort of hoping. You know, one one of my um, I Think it was my 21st birthday. I said, My parents said, You know, what do you want for your 21st birthday? Um, I actually said, I want, I want a Bible. Hmm. Um, I, I, I mean, it might even be this Bible. Um, so this one here, um, because I wanted a Bible that would um, last with me through. So I don't know, I've not got a thing written in or anything. And you've, you've got that rebound a few times, yeah. So, um, this is not the original binding, um, you know. Re- it was falling apart, so I um, took it down. I think Christine, my wife, arranged for this as a, as a special gift. So it's was rebound. Um, it's starting to head there. That it needs it again. A few pages are starting to work their way out again. Um, but, okay, I'm not saying you have to be like me because that would be silly. That's That's not my. That's, your gifting's not my gifting. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying I, I've got those resources, but I'm not going to draw on them and I'm not going to pull them in and say, oh, if you had this book and if you had this book yeah. and if you had this book because I don't want what I want to teach you is how you can do this. Unless you, you know, you're, unless you're called to be a Bible teacher yeah. like me, that's probably not going to be your experience, um, you know. And if it is, praise God, go mm, for you're, it. And, and, you're doing
1: but, it in a way that we can go from here and have the same experiences of, of diving in and understanding the word and, and exactly, and times. yeah.
0: And so we're going I'm gonna help you make use of common resources and places you can go and find out information. So you're not, you know, I don't. The last thing I want you to do is sit back and say, "Oh, I wish." I wish I could do it like you do it, and and then and sort of feel is you can't. The other thing I, I never want you to feel is that um, the Bible is only accessible if we have all these resources and if we have all these materials, because yeah. that that's something that you know. Um, you know, sometimes I can say the Greek means this, and and, and this original verse verse means this, and people can go ah, oh. and it's almost like it, unless I know Greek or unless I have access yeah. to that sort of material, I can't really understand the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, remember, we we actually had um, it was actually Josh, you, you were I think you were away that you had to work the morning that yeah. uh, we did this, um, but Jordan was with me, and. Um, uh, and we discussed the doctrine of perspicuity, um, doctrine of perspicuity, um, which is—it's like, duh, Josh. You, know, you were like Jay. Jay's like, oh,
1: the, I knew you, it straight away when I heard yeah,
0: it. Yeah, you know. So, the doctrine of perspicuity. Um, Sandy's online with us. Great to have you joining us this morning, Sandy. Hey, Sandy. Um, Doctrine. You know, Sandy's like, oh, the old doctrine of perspicuity. <laughs> you know, what, what would what what would we um, yeah, do yeah, without it? Basically, what the doctrine of perspicuity means is that we believe that the Bible is not only God's revelation to us, but He's given it in a way that we can get the revelation.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. That's just putting in my words. In other words, God just does not reveal Himself through the Word; He revealed it in a way that He is not going to then hide it from us, and it's not possible for us to understand Him and the Word Mm. from the Word. Okay. So we don't need the Bible and other things in order to understand God. But if we just go to the Word of God, and with a hungry heart and willingness to learn, um, then there will be information and keys and truths in the Bible. But we might have to dig them out. They're not on top. And the key part of all this is... Well, actually, let's go back to the very start. That is so important, all this. Wow, we won't come a long way. Mm. Um, is to remember these two things. Mm. We must come to it as a book, yep. and we must come to it as God breathed. Mm. Alright, that's really important. Um, getting that, the mixture of those two things. Because it's, it, the Doctrine of Perspicuity says, there's, in this is God's revelation is there, and it's able for us to receive it and get it from the Bible. Yep. But if we treat it as just a book of revelation, but not a book, we won't... Handle it appropriately, and we won't get what he's intending. Yeah. But if we just treat it as if it's a normal book and not understand it, it's God breathed, I tell you, one of the big cha- um, things that you have about the Bible is it's it's unique, and and it, there's no other Bible, book like it in the world. It's like it's like every other book in that it's a book, but it's unlike any other book. Yeah. And one of the key things is that it's um, it's written by a, diff- a group of authors that span you know centuries. Yeah of all different backgrounds from Moses writing right at the beginning yeah. to, you know, um, Paul writing in prison to, you know, prophets writing, you know, from the, you know, I don't know whether they did, you know, writing from inside a, a, a fish, you know, I don't know whether Joan actually wrote there. Um, um, people from different backgrounds, people like David, who was a, a, a shepherd boy who, who was raised to be king, who yeah. wrote Psalms. Um, you've got Matthew, who was a tax collector, yeah. writing his account of following Jesus. You've got Paul, who was a Pharisee, turned into the greatest um, soul winner and, and, and messenger of grace. Yeah. Um, you've got Peter, who was a fisherman, mm. who was writing letters to his friends, and those letters have been recorded. To John, who was on an island and had a revelation, and he's writing what he yeah. sees. It's just this huge, you know, you've just it's got vast. to imagine this huge, vast span of things. And yet, even though they were. Um, 66 books written by a multitude of authors I don't know how many authors because some of the books are obviously written by you know the same author mm. um, it's one story yeah and not only one story it has one breath through it it has the Holy Spirit's life so the amazing thing is you can be reading something written by David mm. and then you're reading something written by Paul and and it should be sort of so so separated yeah and yet they intertwine beautifully as if as if almost they're meant to be read together. Yeah, And um, so that's one of the most amazing things, that you can be reading one part of the Bible and reading another part of the Bible, and they work together and merge together. And even things that people say, oh, there's a lot of contradictions in the Bible, that it's actually designed to work together. Um, that, that God did not put all his revelation into one passage, but each passage is meant to be read with the other passages, which is meant to be read with yeah. the rest of the Revelation. Um, it's fascinating that some of the things that David wrote, Aren't, weren't meant to be understood fully like the the, the uh, let me just say this: He un- he fully attended the people that he was writing a psalm for would understand what he was writing, mm-hmm. but he was writing in such a way that the Holy Spirit was breathing in on it, and he was prophesying about a time, and he was seeing the suffering servant, and he was seeing the Messiah hanging on the cross, mm-hmm. and he was crying out, and he saw it through his own anguish, and he was saying, oh, "I'm feel I feel so I feel in such anguish at the situation I'm facing," and yet he went into this level of prophecy, and then. Um, Jesus picks it up and says, You know what? He was speaking of me. Yeah. And, 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 and in the book of Acts, it says, You know, and talk, you know, it, it picks it up. So, yeah. you know, and it's like, How could this happen? How could he so perfectly do this? Um, just want to stop a moment and say hi to Judith and, and Graham. Blessed to have you guys with Good morning, us. Guys. And Peggy, great to have you joining with us as we dive into the Word of God. We're talking about the doctrine of perspicuity, uh, which we all know means just, uh, I actually don't know that the. the a really good definition except my definition Mm. which is the Bible is designed by God to be understood by us. Do you know what I mean? Uh,
1: I just love that it's all that that you said and and even later in history when like there was trouble with trying to get it translated and people coming against it trying to stop it. Yeah. But through everything God has brought the book to here for us now so that we can get that revelation, we can get His word.
0: That's a great point. That's excellent. Excellent. He dis, God's care for His Bible did not stop with the final words of John yeah. on the Isle of Patmos. It, it, it's it's continued. That is is this ensured that it's been handled by men that were godly and and hungry to have the truth, and people like Tyndale that were killed to getting it in. Um, yeah. Um, for, for having it put in the english language but they they worked and they, they it, it was went through refinement after refinement after refinement and people um, today even um, I, uh, let me let me just tell you something a little about a bible translation which i I'm, i've actually put it on my christmas wish, wish list so um, it's called the 20th century new testament and i have seen references to this um, bible uh, for many years when i was studying i actually had a um, a, a, a reference book that would ref, quote quote it, but I never actually had it, yep. and I could never find it in the bookshops. And, and it's called the Twentieth Century New Testament, and it was a one of the first um, Bible translations that really broke away from where the King James had come from. Mm. But it was not done um, initially by scholars; it was done by a group of people in England who were. Um, Well-versed in Greek, so it's only the New Testament, they they were sort of Christians, Christian people who knew the Greek language, but they weren't Bible scholars and academics, and they just wanted a Bible for their kids and their families. And so they took it upon themselves, they divvied up the different parts of the New Testament, Mm. and they began to work on a translation That would bring the, the Greek text to life for their families and their and their friends, mm. and then a, a committee got organised to put them together. And then a couple of really good scholars, um, I, th- I think Waymouth was one of them, a um, uh, really you know, a really good Bible scholar, and he got involved. Yeah. And he said, "Well, I'll help you put this." And another Bible scholar got involved and said, "Let's let's make sure this." You know, yeah. stays stays academically good as well, but we don't lose the life of it. And so they got involved. So this group of people that were just general normal people, some were some was you know teachers maybe, but others were just people that um, had studied Greek yeah. and were good. And they put together this translation. And um, today, um, it, um, I was just reading Gordon Fee, who's a you know a, a, one of is um, a great Pentecostal theologian. Who um, his expertise in these areas is is amazing i love his resources he says it's, it still stands as a really good translation mm. it's really worthwhile um trouble is you can't find it or get it um very easily but I, I guess what i looked on amazon you can now buy it it's been reprinted because it's all public domain yeah it's because uh, it was written, it was published about 1902 so when it said 20th century it was for the 20th century yeah so 123 years ago a group of People, some of them housewives, and some of them, you know, um, just normal workers, but but had a love for. Spent years working on this translation to bring it to us, and um, and there's part of me that just loves where it came from. And the the thing that stood out, I used to read these little snippets, and I used to think that's really good. Mm. That's really that's what took my attention was that the when I was looking at a difficult passage, sometimes I get they'd give an example from the 20th century New Testament, and I'm like well done, that's really, that's really, who is this, who are, who, I, I thought it was a person, who is this person yeah. that's written it, who is this person that's translated, they've done a really good job, that, that, I'd love to get the whole Bible, and, um,
1: yeah
0: and, and, you know, um, yeah, I remember years ago, um, uh, meeting a, a Bible um, scholar that was over from America, it was teaching somewhere, and I, and I said, um, the 20th century New Testament, oh yeah, it's really good, I said, where do you get it, you said you can't, and this is, now, thankfully they're now, republished it yeah. and, and um, done it. But back then, you couldn't. He said, You have to go into a, he said, go into some acad- um, like Bible college, you know, like a really fancy one. They'll probably have one on their think shelves. You might not be able to borrow it, but he said, Go and just photocopy it. Mm-hmm. I thought, Oh, so I should have done that, <laughs> but I didn't have access to the libraries. And, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, that was the only way to get it. But now, praise God with some things, mm-hmm. we, can, we can do it today. He gets so, the word out. But the point is that it was average, normal people were able to do this. And um, bring the Bible to life, and we've been able to to experience that. But in t- order to do so, we must remember those two things: it's a book, and it's God breathed. Mm-hmm. I'm going two and three. That doesn't really work. <laughs> it's a book, and it's God breathed. Okay. Um, if we don't do that, we miss out on so much value. Um, let me let me t- tell you how you can treat the Bible um, as God breathed and not a book. Um, If you um, let me give you, I'll give you two examples. Um, One, a promise, a a a promise box example. Remind me of that one, Josh. And a love letter. All right, promise box and a love letter. Um, So, let me start with a love letter. Um, I was told once, ah, the Bible is like a love letter from God. You know, sorry, Bible is like a love letter Mm. from your lover, God. It says, you know, dear Peter. And at the end, love Jesus. Yeah. All right. That sounds amazing. And you know what part that's taking is the God breathed side. Yeah. It's a love letter. It's written for me. This is not just something which is um uh, you know, sort of out there and 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 um apart from me. It's actually when I read it, it's for me. Yeah. I feel the the personal part of this. Yeah. You know, it's and I feel and I and I it's from God who loves me. So yes, it's got the God breathe part. You know mm-hmm. the Bible. So if you might hear, you know, I don't know, if you've heard of it. I'm so I'm going to undo a little bit of your thinking here. Where it says the Bible is is a love letter. You know, it starts with dear Peter and ends up with love God. Oh I have, well, can I just say, if it's a love letter, it's the weirdest love letter I've ever <laughs> received. <laughs> Come on, to be honest, yeah. um, this is if if this if my if this is a love letter, um, and if I told you read it like a love letter. I'm like my lover, the person who's writing them is this is weird, they you know. Like you know, get harder to read. Yeah, it's like you know, he, 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 he's giving me all these instructions about you know how to handle pus and and you know how to scrape off you know st- clean my walls and, and and how to do these sacrifices. <laughs> what and, has this got to do
1: with that?
0: Yeah, and, and it's like oh oh um, my love, my love letters got pages and pages of genie, uh, you know, yeah. um, of, of you know sort of his um, all my ancestors and what does, what, does, what does this mean mm. oh, good morning to my beautiful wife christine who 's also online morning. and, and um, yeah i 'm just saying Christine that um, you know people have described the Bible as a love letter, which takes the God breathed side, and I get that, but it really um, sometimes if you just treat it like a love letter, imagine if I wrote christine, if I wrote you a love letter and, and it was like the size of this Bible and I wrote it to you. And you say, "Oh, you've written these. You're gonna, its going to be a book of poems. It's going to be a book of, you know, pouring out your heart, a book of your, you know, cheering about your childhood, even, you know." To, yeah. uh, and um, you read it, and like, this is no love letter. What is this? This is the craziest book ever, you know. And it finishes with this revelation of an apocalypse, and you know, and and, and devils and angels, and yeah. and uh, what's wrong with my lover? So if you, we've got to recognize, okay, it is written by someone who loves us. Mm. But honestly, it's not a love letter in that sense. It does not going to start with dear God and doesn't end with you know, um, sorry, dear Peter, and in love from God. Yeah. Um, it's not even written. From God in the first person. It's not like God says this. God says. Some people come to the Bible thinking it's a book from God, but then suddenly find I couldn't find God anywhere. I, I find David writing Psalms. I write yeah. Paul writing letters. I I, I, write jo- I see John getting a revelation. And um, the best you can get for, is like John, who gets a revelation. He said, you know, the God gave a revelation to the angels, and the angels came and gave it to me, and yeah. I'm giving it to you. So it's like, oh, at least that came through to God. But a lot of the other ones don't even um, necessarily reference. Okay, hey, this is from God. Yeah. And so you've got to recognize that it's a book. It doesn't come in the format of a direct letter to you from God. Yeah. Okay. But if we forget that it's God-breathed, we just treat it as a series of letters that mm. to others, losing that sense. The other one was... Promise box. Promise box. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen a promise box. Josh, have you ever seen a promise box?
1: Uh I don't think so.
0: Let, let's... Let's take a very risky way. Something
1: to do with a box and making a promise. Okay,
0: let, let's... Oh. I,
1: I would be able to give you a definition of it.
0: Promise box. Let's go here. Oh. Okay, here's a, let's go for images. Josh, this is a promise box. These were really popular. Tell me if you've ever had or seen or know someone who's had a promise box. Oh, accept all our cookies. Go for it. <laughs> people want to. People want to give me cookies, Josh. But you know what? I love cookies. They never arrive. <laughs> they say, "Do you want it?" Can will I accept all their cookies? And I say, "Yes, please." Um, they never, never turn up. They Never up. arrive. So that's just the internet for you. Um, I don't know whether you can see in here. Okay, this is a promise box. Um, tell me if someone's ever online, you've ever had a promise box. It's a bit blurry there now. But um, it's a box full of little rolled up pieces of paper in like little mini scrolls. Yeah. And, um, and the idea is you'd get, a, some of them have a fancy pair of little tweezers and you reach in. And you open up the tweezers and pull up, and you get one scroll. Mm. And you open it up, and guess what's in it? A promise. A promise. A promise from the Bible. Yeah. So it would be a biblical promise. And so, so you do so that.
1: Sort of like the,
0: is it called the phylactery? No, phylactery. No, not that, a phylactery. No, no that, that, that's a different thing. Different. Um, so Judas had a book, which is like a promise box. Yeah, mm. so you can get, you know, rather than little scrolls, a, prom- a book where it's just all the promises. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so the idea is that, you, you know, in the morning or afternoon or you've got a visitor or something like that, take a promise. Mm. So it's like, it's like choosing a chocolate without looking on the cover of the box. Do you know what I mean? guess <laughs> it's like they're all wrapped. You don't that know which one you know, yeah. And you open up and there's your promise. And um, now that's, that's good. And um, they've a copy of that. I'm guessing they've gone out of, Vogue a little bit because the fact that well, there's one left on the... <laughs> yeah, only one left. Good condition. In the whole world. That's it. The last promise box is about to go. Um, and it looks like a, a, an antique sort of one by the looks <laughs> of the cover and everything. Um, uh, take one and replace. Okay, so old and rare. Um, so, um, wonderful. Um... Yeah, Sandy, I loved the promise box when I was just new as a Christian. I never had one, but would use it as at other people's homes. Yeah, so people could go and got a little promise out. And um, the thing was, it was like it was almost like God speaking to you. Yeah, does it make sense? I, I, I'm reaching in, and just God's gonna, and there's a promise. And I praise God, what they've done—they've sifted through the Bible and picked out the promises part, or yeah. the part, or, or bits that would make a promise. And then it's me now. Many times, um, because the Bible is God-breathed, sometimes that promise would be just perfect for the person right where they're at. Yeah. And so you'd open it and be like, oh, "This is God's word to me. This is God's word to me. It's it, it's it's spoken to me. It's yeah. just what I need at this yeah. time." And um, now we don't have promise boxes to say, but you might have a word for the day that might come to you from. Um,
1: of a Bible app. Bible app. That, that's know. happened to me. Yeah. yeah,
0: so you get you know, you know get a word for the day and it's like, oh, perfect for today. Daily devotion. Hit me there. So the idea is that it's just taking, someone has done the sifting and then it's just come out in some format, whether it's sent to you or is in a promise box because it's got that little element where I'm choosing. Yeah. I get this promise. And um, that's the God breathe part. That's the God breathe part. That, that, that God can take something like that and just put his breath on it and it just fits where you are yeah. and it matches where you are but in it but if we treat the bible as a promise box that we can just look in there and straight away just get a promise that's going to meet with me and and people have done this you know people have just you know sort of open I don't know if you can see here you know open the bible give a point and it says <laughs> Well, I won't even read what I got. Just hope
1: to talking the New Testament. You know?
0: <laughs> well, I did get the New Testament, and that's you know you open it up and you say and you say God, oh, this is what... And, and, said, and after crying out and throwing him into terrible convulsions, it came out uh, and the boy became so much like a corpse. I said he is dead. <laughs> that's like, yeah, that's not my promise. <laughs> well, and there's a great example of like, oh, and I don't want to I don't want to make light of this yeah. because. It has helped people. There are people have received that because, because it is God-breathed. There's mm. a breath of God that works in this. But if you just treat it like a promise box, which is that it's a book that is just full of promises for me, and all I've got to do is just go to it and bang, I get it. It's not. Mm. Can I say it's not a book of promises for you? People are like, what? It's a book of many different types. With many different audiences, with many different purposes, and in that is promises that the Holy Spirit will breathe and make totally relevant to you. Mm. Some of them actually have been given and are for you directly. Mm. You know, when Paul was talking to the New Testament church and he was giving them instructions, um, you know, love your you know, uh, or Jesus saying, "Love your neighbor." Yeah. Well, that, that's an instruction for me today. Yeah. I don't need to run that through the filter and say, "Oh, that was good." You know remember when, remember when um, he, that actually happened when Jesus said love you know um, uh, you know love your neighbor as yourself yeah. you know what the great commandment from the Old Testament he said that's the one for today and they said you know master who is my neighbor in other words you know mm. what's the context for this you know how, how does this do they
1: live next to me yeah
0: you know like you know and I, in other words how can I squirm out of this and, and make it for something that's that doesn't really apply to me yeah and um, Jesus told them uh, the story about the Samaritan to help someone, um, and the Good Samaritan as we know it. But um, there are some promises that come directly, and they, they just they work straight for me. Other times, I can be reading a promise that was given. Since, for instance, um, you know the prophet Samuel might be giving a, a, a promise to to David. So even though it was his David's promise, even though it was Samuel the prophet in David's circumstance giving him a promise. Yeah it strikes me and the Holy Spirit ignites it and it becomes a living word to me and it becomes my promise. Yeah. You know, have you ever experienced that? You've been reading something in the Word of God and you're, you're reading about situations. You're not there. It's got nothing to do with you. Yeah. You're not saying, in a few thousand years ago, there'll be a man called Joshua. <laughs> and Josh... I want to tell you this is for you. Yeah. It doesn't say that at all. It says, you know, they were speaking just purely to their circumstances. Yeah. But because the book is God-breathed, you're reading it and that and it makes a connection and it and it goes past time and space and hits you right where you are. It's
1: like um like Jeremiah 29:11. Yeah. People claim, you know, that's for us, but that's for Israel going into exile, but it's talking about the future for Israel being being perfect
0: vain. example is <laughs> Jeremiah 29, 11. You know, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, to give you a future and a hope. Yeah. And it's like, people say, amen. And we should say amen, because yeah. that's how the Bible is God-breathed. God, God breathed. has a good future for us. And, he, and, and, and it does fit. But how do we actually work with that um, and, and not just make it a promise box sort of... Mentality, because the danger is, is um, we can become a little bit picky and choosy. Like I just said, I, I just went like that. And said, well, that's not for me. <laughs> mm. oh, that's not for me. Oh, that's mm. not for me. Oh, when do we know when it's not for me? You say, well, if you know, for instance, if Paul gave an instruction in the New Testament, we would know that that was for us. Yeah. So you say, okay, and and um, thank God, a lot of this is covered by I think thing called common sense. Mm. Um. um if we have enough common sense, we can get by with this. The other problem is we don't have enough common sense sometimes to do this properly. All right? So an example of common sense, um, oh, I'm trying to think where it is. Uh, when Paul says, maybe it was, he says, come come and meet me. Um, is this in Timothy? Let me let's see if I can find and he said, bring the scrolls with you. So, hang on. And the coat I left. Let's <laughs> um, see if I can find uh, Okay. Um, okay. Oh, okay, here we go. 2 Timothy chapter four verse nine. Okay, we might as even will bring it up on our screen. We might. You, you, you're going to say, "Are oh, you getting silly now, Pastor Peter?" Yeah, you're, um, yeah. We 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 yeah. This how come this is not in a promise box? I ask you that. Uh, this is a new New Living Translation. So, um, Timothy verse nine. Timothy, please come as soon as you can. Ah. Huh. Um, well, I mean, let me put in the New American because this, this is added a little bit mm. to well, it says just because he doesn't say Timothy in the yeah. Greek, you know, but it's they've just put Timothy in there to clar- clarify this a little bit. It says, "Make every effort to come to me soon." Yeah. Okay, let's go down to verse eleven. Um, only Luke is with me. Pick up Mark and bring him with you. Ah. Um, verse 13. When you come, bring the cloak which I left at Troas with Carpus and the books, especially the parchments. Alright, so we have been given three instructions by Paul. Mm -hmm. Alright, to come as soon as we can, to pick up Mark and bring him, (laughs) and to bring the cloak and the books.
1: Gotta go find Mark and take him with
0: me. Grab Mark. Where's Paul? Uh, When he wrote this, it was somewhere in Rome maybe. Off we go. And... um, and, you know, we don't do that. Praise God we do not do that. Because common sense says that sounds like he's not talking to me as a Christian. It sounds like he was just talking to Timothy. Yeah, You know, that, that's... Um, um, sounds
1: like I'm witnessing just a conversational instruction for that.
0: Yeah. Now, only nine verses earlier, Paul says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience instruction. How many preachers have taken that and said, That's to me? Mm. That's to me. That's you know, as a pastor, I'm like, amen, that is my instruction. Mm. I take this, I meditate it, and I think, how do I do this? Yeah. This is this is to me. Mm. And yet, nine verses later. Make every effort to come to me soon. Well, that's to Timothy. Yeah. <laughs> I've straight away made. I've just. I've just worked out. And what you're doing there is treating the Bible as a book. Yeah. All right. So you're already doing it. I. I you know, this is not like, oh, I've got to do it. But I'm just saying, you probably might, you're probably doing it without recognizing. Yeah. But what happens is when there's instructions in between the two. All right. Like women should wear, you know, a head covering. Um, is that an instruction to them, or is that an instruction for us? Mm. All right. So when, when you know women should keep silent in the church, uh, is that like um, is that something for them at that time? Is that something that should carry through? And so the problem is when you get to some things that are in the middle, and, you, and you're not sure because you're, you're not doing this on purpose, you're just sort of doing it, mm. and then you just wait for. Um, common sense to kick in and say, well, I don't even know how to do it. So I, what I want to do is I want to teach you one of the skills that you need to do so powerfully that covers both. Um, the Bible is a book and the Bible is God-breathed. Mm. And it will help you to make sure that you, you're actually trying to dig in for this and not just picking and choosing, not using it as a promise box, just scrubbing whatever I want. You know, not just sort of saying, oh, it's a love letter to me, but actually handling it properly and handling it well. So you can actually hear what our God, who loves us dearly, wants to say to us and how we can receive his instruction through this. So let's take, um, uh, let's go to the book of Luke, chapter 18. We'll start with a really easy one. Okay, if you're going to treat the book as the Bible as a book, one thing you need to learn is how to understand the, 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 the what the the passage that's been written. Yeah. What what format was it put in? What was its genre? What was its style? Because um, you know, when we sort of say, "Oh, the Bible is just a love letter," well, we know it's not true. It's not even all letters, mm. but there are some letters. You know, there's there's letters. You know, um, you can go. Yeah, you, know, you, you don't have to turn here. I'll just jump here so you can sort of see it. Let's take um, something like Second um, John, a real short little thirteen verse letter. The elder to the chosen lady and her only children. It's it's a letter. It's a short. It only goes thirteen verses. It's a um, verse twelve. Having many things to write to you, I do not to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face, that your joy may be made full. The children of your chosen sister greet you. Mm. All right, it's a letter. He was. It's it's a, it's not a long letter. It's a letter just to be sent with someone, as I you know. There's, um, it's a letter of, um often commendation saying, I'm sending this with someone to show you that I I support them because I can't get on the phone and say, you know, Josh is coming down and um, give him a good greeting when he gets there because that's not going to happen. So I write a letter to them and commending you and say, take this. Well, you've got the letter. It shows that, you know, you've got my support. It's a short little letter and it found its way into the Bible. And we might study it one time because it's a great little example of how we can do this. But it's a letter. A short little letter. And it needs to be read and understood as a letter. You, it's, he's not trying to write a, a thesis. He's not trying to write yeah. um, Bible doctrine. He's trying to do something on purpose. He's trying to do it in a short little passage. I don't know whether this was a... Um, you sort of notice these you know, Second John and Third John about the same length. Yeah. It could be, I'm guessing, a single page of a bit of parchment. Mm. So he's going to write as much as he can fit on that page and then close it off. You know that that's. I'm, I'm just. I'm just trying to write a short letter that can fit on one page. You can roll it up and yeah. take it with you. That's it. That's my whole intent. And so, by you've got to understand that. Um, so, when you're reading something, one of the first things you got to do is say. In what form was this written? What in what style were they using? Mm. Is it a letter like Paul, which we're sort of very familiar? with. So the New Testament doesn't have a huge variety of forms and um, allows us to sort of to read it with a bit of common sense, yeah. you know, because we understand letters. You know, I, I I understand what a letter is. You know, people today are probably less understanding less. So there are some people today. I'm guessing have never received. Um, a a letter. They probably received official documents. You know, dear, dear customer, or you know, dear you know, dear, yeah. you know to, to my bank customer, da, da, da. But uh, in terms of a letter, a friend, a friend or a family member have written to you. Now, we get email. You know what I mean? And or we get text, and we get a whole lot of other things. But probably a lot of you have never received a you know a letter. You know, which is sort of funny, isn't it? You know, we're, um, different generation. Josh, have you? When was the last time you received a personal uh. letter from someone?
1: I don't really know. I, I, I think maybe I have, like, you know, maybe at a younger age, but I don't
0: know. Yeah, don't so know. a long, long time since people send letters. If people send something now? So, but I'm just saying the format even of an email, I'm trying to say that we already yeah. understand the genre because yeah. we're familiar with it, but you've got to be careful about genres that you're not familiar with that you just treat and handle as if you do know. mm all right. So I'll tell you that in so in, in the Bible, there's different genres. When they're writing, they they're using a style, um, and sometimes they mix them up. Yep. Um, there's a historical um, <laughs> record keeping account, and you say, "Well, I, I get that, um, I understand." Okay, you might want to take notes of these. Okay, there's a, there's, there's the writing of historical notes. Okay, there's right, an account of history, and so like the Book of Acts. Is that mm. okay? Um, and also much of the old, you know, so sort of the Old Testament, um, early part where it know, some, uh, for instance, first and second Samuel, um, first and second Kings, that they are historical books, it's it's following the history of the kings of Israel in, yeah. and the, in the history of Israel. Um, but you also have, you know, the book of Judges is, is a historical book, um, but you've got to understand that, um, they write with a particular style. And especially the Old Testament, which is um, how can I put this? Um, it's like third per- third person, um, emotionally removed, yeah, just stating what's happening. But it's also so it's, it's like an observer who's just telling you what's happening at times. But also, please understand, it's not. Meant to be the history, it's a history with a very clear bias, or not? Some bias is probably the wrong one. A very clear focus of what it's trying to aim for. Yeah. So it's not history of the world. It's not you know. So you know, you read through the Bible history and it, major events and things that are happening in the world, it ignores because it's following the history of what God was doing mm. through particular um, people and a particular nation, Israel. It follows that history. The book of Acts. Some people say the book of Acts is actually the history of the early church. That's not um, technically true um, in the sense that you say, well, of course it is. It's, you know, uh, Josh was looking at me like, of course it is. You know, like, of
1: course you're right. Of
0: course. Um, the, the book of Acts is the history of the early church. No, it's not, it's not the history of the early church. It's the history of the early church through a very um, particular filter. Mm. It's not just where the church went. It's not just where all the disciples went. Um, it's a particular filter, and I'll, I'll tell it to you, so you can sort of read the book of Acts with this eyes, you know, in the eye. It's the history of the early church from become, being um, Jew centered mm. to becoming a Gentile inclusive church, and it, it there's, there's transitions from where it, it's all about that transition because that was a huge yeah. upheaval to the thinking and the processing. And the way of living yeah. of the disciples. Even Peter struggled with it. Mm. You know, he was like, you know, and, and you read through it, and it's all about how God had to get them out of just being the fact that this was a this was a gospel that was going to make us better Jews. Yeah. All right. That's how Peter, Peter, and the other apostles basically saw the Holy Spirit had come, and the gospel had come to make them now the best Jews possible. They were now going to be empowered to be amazing Jews. And yes, yeah, okay, the Gentiles could get in on it, but the same way as before, they could come into us. And and God's like, no, this is not coming in, this is you going out. And that was a huge shift in thinking, and it caused um, so much... Um, turmoil within the, the, the ranks of the, the leaders and the work. And so it's a shift. It's a shift from Peter, the, the, the apostle to the Jews, to Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles. Yeah. It's a shift from Jerusalem being the center of what God's doing in the church to Antioch, which became the center of the Jewish missionary journey. It became what was happening amongst the apostles to what Peter, uh, sorry, what Paul was doing, taking his missionary journey journeys around. Yeah. So there's you have this huge shift and constantly with this tension working through. So it's not talking just generally about what happened to the church. It's saying, let's follow this very particularly. So it's history with a focus. Mm. Um, but in the Old Testament, in particularly uh, history, it's history with a... Um, uh, how can I say this? It, it's it's like unemotional and, un, and non-judgmental.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. Let let's imagine that you um um heard about a car accident um on, you know, on Burwood Highway, which is the main highway just near here, and a car was coming down, you know, 140 kilometres an hour, which is way too fast, you know. For anyone from America, 140, you know, you know, 80 90, oh, not 80. Uh yeah, 80 miles an hour, mm. you know, so yeah, 80. Oh, 80 miles an hour oh, and down the down this busy um in a, ro- in a in a city main road and um and it lost control slammed into a you know a light pole if you read the report of an eyewitness that was then put in the newspaper and then if you read the police report they'd be even though they'd be observing the same event yeah. they would be done differently yeah all right um for instance you know imagine that the the police report would be like, the driver was driving it at you know, 142 kilometers an hour
1: mm.
0: down this road at 8.47 a.m. Yeah. It ran a red light at the intersection of such and such. It lost control 147 meters further down yeah. and swerved and hit a light pole causing damage to the front of the car. And the, you know... You know have you ever heard a policeman do a report? It's like a robot. Have you ever, it's one of the worst things to do. Get a policeman and get make them do a media appearance because they're like robots. Because that's how they're programmed, to you know, to give the facts, yeah. to deal with the, the issue that the the facts at hand. Whereas the person who saw it says, "Some maniac was flying down the car way too fast. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what he was thinking. What an idiot!" If and then he, of course, he's going to lose control. Yeah. And before you know, you could say, "Boo." It's veered off and smashing. He, he's lucky to be alive. In fact, he des- you know he, he deserves to die if he's going to drive like that. i mm. um, th- Thank God he never hurt an- anyone else. Yeah. Okay. Do you hear the difference in the yeah. two reports? One is full of emotion, mm. but also full of judgment. Yeah. He was an idiot. He was a crazy person. He deserved to die. He was lucky he didn't die. I- I'm saying you know what I mean. I'm, I'm putting a whole lot of um, judgment into that statement. Whereas the policeman doesn't say he was an idiot. Mm. The policeman says this is what he was doing. Yeah. The policeman doesn't say he was lucky to be alive. The policeman says he, he survived. Mm. Um, s- historical writings like the book of Judges are actually more like a police report than they are by an emotional witness. And that confuses people because what we're looking for is when we read terrible things happening or good things happening even, we want some judgment to be put on it. We want people to say they were an idiot or they were good. You know. Now, sometimes along comes someone who does bring the judgment, like um, when David sinned with Bathsheba and had um, her husband killed. Eventually, a prophet comes along and delivers the judgment. Mm. Kaboom! He gets the word. But there's other times when the judgment is left out. Yeah. And you're just getting the facts, and you and if you're reading it and expecting judgment, and there is no judgment, people make a mistake and think that God's okay with it, or God must have been okay with it, or why wasn't this upset? Because we just presume because because the policeman never said he was an idiot, the policeman mustn't think he's an idiot, and um, so you have situations in the Book of Judges, which is a strange, you know, where where they they take. Um, Um, they take a body and they cut it into pieces and they spread it, they send it all around. If you've never read some of the book of Judges, go and read it. But if you read the book of Judges, read it as a police report. Now, why could, this is what I'm trying to get to you, why would God not put his judgment into um, the report? Because you're you're exposing yourself, you're leaving yourself open to the fact that people will think you're okay with it. Yeah you know if i if i don't say every time someone does something wrong which i don't agree with of course hmm. you know you know how we do nowadays you know like yeah. you know, uh, if i about, I, I don't can i don't condone it you know like um you know uh you know when we're talking about and, and he was you know he was walking across the road i mean i don't condone that you know because we just have to keep telling people <laughs> because people are like gotcha you you didn't say he was wrong you just you know, uh, I read this book. Ah, you must be a you know you must be an awful person and and agree with it. You must live according to it. You must promote it because you mentioned that you read it. And it's like ah, so so if I read something which I don't agree with mm. and I don't believe mm. and I condemn wholeheartedly. <laughs> Listen to the way people talk today. They are scared to say something without the judgment. Then you go to something like the Bible, and there's. Um, statements made without judgment and people presume that means that maybe God must have been good with that Mm. or God was okay with that. This is how this works. It's a book that God intended because it's God breathed Mm. and even the original authors understood this because they were not under the compulsion to also add their judgment. It's going to be read in light of other things. So it's they understand that we. They also had the law given to them, mm. so when they understood what the law said, they would take that filter and put it over the top of what was happening.
1: Yeah.
0: Does it make sense? It was it was like a filter. Um, God God expected expected them to treat it like a book. He expected them not just to hear this in total isolation, without going sideways and putting other things together with it. I want you to hear that God did, God does not expect what he writes to you to be taken in isolation. Therefore, he can use a, literally, a literary style or say things which contained by themselves can make you make, get into error even. Because he says, well, that would, only, that would be stupid because you'd have to, you'd have to ignore all the other things I'm going to say. Yeah not realising that what people will do in this time and age is to take things and ignore everything else around them. Mm. People are so bad at context at the moment. You know, They read something and they just will refuse to try and put it into context. If you say something, lock in, ignore the context. Context is, is lost. Mm. You know, We know what you meant because you said that. Don't try and get away from it. We make a soundbite, 45 seconds, we've got you locked away, you're an evil... You know, an e- evil man, mm. you, know, you, you should be put in jail. Um, oh, no, no, no. You oh, haven't even tried to understand. So if you take that approach to the Bible, even if you're trying to do the right thing with it, you're not trying to do gotcha, catcher things with Jesus, but if you try and c- grab things, and he says, oh, I never intended for that to be done alone. I always intended. I did a, a Bible teaching a little while ago called um, The Psalm That I Would Have Rejected. Um, talking about one of the psalms that if, if if one of my worship leaders had written that psalm as a song, I would have said i don 't we 're not going to sing that mm. there 's no way I, you know and you can go back and find that on our, on our YouTube channel um, the psalm I would have rejected and it basically I, and because I really got upset with you know this psalm my God, how can you leave this and he said um, i don 't intend you to read one psalm. stop reading
1: Mm.
0: he says can you just be you know big enough to be able to take something without feeling everything's got to be all fixed by the end start and end of of, of a psalm do you know what i mean i Mm. I, I sort of felt i I felt it's got to be packaged yeah it's got to be like i I, i'm upset but but oh yeah and let's all go saw this god says i'm big enough to let the psalmist end still in despair
1: yeah
0: i'm all good with that because that's not the end.
1: Mm.
0: And, but I'm saying, God, what, but why didn't you judge him? Why didn't you, you make him say something that says, oh, and you know, because now I'm wanting, I'm wanting all the judgment and, and to come into that psalm. I've got to be big enough to realize this is a psalmist pouring out his heart and his frustration. Yeah. And what happens when he does that? And I said, but it's a psalm. He said, yes, written by a psalmist. <laughs> written up my, and with my breath on it. But, but how much better is it to be able to see something through the eyes without all these filters on it, fixing it up. Being able to get the raw image, getting it before it's been cleansed and sanitized being able to get it when it's in the angst and the hurt because, wow, that helps me in my real life because yeah. I'm not in the sanitized version yet. I'm yeah. in the. I'm going through the pain. I'm struggling with where's God, and this helps me to understand the heart that then enables me to connect. Mm. Do you know what I mean? But God said, I'm big enough to handle that without trying to fix it all up in a psalm. Yeah. But he does say, so, but I do fix it up. But are you big enough to read all the other psalms? Are you big enough to read more? Are you big enough to treat this like a book? Or do you just want it to be God-breathed? God-breathed says, Every part I read will just speak to me and help me no matter what I'm going through. And it will be perfect for me. The book part means I've got to actually treat it as if he's going to say things that need to be worked and merged with other things. So there are... styles that god use this is what i'm leading to like his the historical narrative which you, you know you think is a going to be an easier but it's a narrative style that often leaves the judgment off there's other things that he uses like parables and like psalms and poetry and songs and things like that there's a lot of songs i think a third um of the the old testament is um is Psalms and music and, mm. and, and poetry you know, from the book of Job, you know, which is actually a, a part of the poetry book. It's written in, in, a, in, a, in a poetic form. The book of Job, um, Psalms, 150 songs for the Lord, uh, and then the book of Proverbs, wise sayings, but they're, mm. in, a, they're in the same sort of format, yeah. um, Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon. Those f- books contain um, a huge chunk of our, our Old Testament, and they're all in a particular style. And then that style has also found itself into some of the narratives, like you know, in Second Samuel, we will find that there's the Song of David is actually in there, and in Isaiah, you'll find there is formats were like in a song format, and even the way when they prophesy, it's got the it's got the same sort of rhythm and beat as a, as they as poetry does. Mm. Um, did you know that um, English poetry works around rhythm and rhyme? You know, we we see we make things. Yeah. You know, the, you know, the man from snowy river. Um, you know, da 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 da, da and, it, and it finishes every every line. finishes with a rhyme. And our songs then tend to do the same. You know, yeah. you know and so we, <clears throat> it's important to end with a, a word that then sounds like the next word. Yeah. And um, Hebrew poetry doesn't um, rhyme. There's so um, there's no, there's no there's no rhyme. It's not a rhyming of words. It's actually it uses a rhythm and a rhyming of concepts and ideas. So Hebrew poetry um, actually will, will will echo concepts. Um, it'll do it in three ways. Um, first of all, it'll, it'll um, echo a um, a conflicting thought. Um, blessed is the man who mm. trusts in the Lord, um, but the fool yeah. will end in destruction. Now, I'm not even sure if that's a, an exact... Probably it sounds like one, doesn't it? Yeah. Because I'm using the Hebrew for good, bad, you know, um, up, down, sort of thing. Yeah. But then there's the um, there's another form of Hebrew poetry, which is parallel. Um, so it's the uh, um, the Lord has made the heavens and the earth um, by His power. He has created all that we see. Mm. Okay. It's a it's a complementary line yeah. to complement the first one. And, um, and then that one can actually be built and you can sort of say one thing and then you can build on it and build on it. Okay, mm. so, so I don't want to go too much into Hebrew poetry, but I'm just saying that Hebrew poetry has that format. Um, why is that important? Because if we want it to be God-breathed, sometimes we want everything just to self-contain revelation of God mm. and it just so limits what God can do and what he can share. Whereas, by allowing these rhythms and and these rhymes, uh, rhythms and these ideas, he often puts something that without its corresponding idea or its complementary idea or its comparison being understood, you're going to miss the point. And there's too often that people have grabbed one part of even a psalm or a poem and run with that and and you've never found all its complements. for instance, and and it, it actually has um, uh, it, it uses the Abba style many often. Do you know? Um, do you know Abba? Um, who, would thought, who would have thought? Who would who would have thought that Abba was in the Bible? <laughs> right through Abba got all their inspiration from the Bible. I can tell you that right now because it's it's called the A B B A method. Yeah. Okay. You say something line A, then you you do an alternate line B, but then you repeat B and then you repeat A. Okay. So it'll be it'll, it'll be it'll be a poem in in four. I should get my pencil out because I'm talking a lot. We're at Luke 18:1, if people have still remembered. Um, (laughs) I haven't forgotten. I am getting there, and I really this is all on purpose to get us there. Mm. Um,
1: This is the beauty of it. What you're saying at the start that you can slow down, take your time, dive in.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, before we go there, I'm trying to get your way of thinking about this yeah. so that you can apply this way of thinking about a lot of other passages rather than me just saying, oh, this is what it means, and you go, oh, I got that. Mm. Okay, so um, we're saying uh, the, the ABBA method. So, you know, line one will have a corresponding line with line four, or you can do the a b c d d c b a method. So, eight lines, each with a corresponding thing. Yeah. Um, so, uh, let, let me give you an example of that. Um, I'm going to call it Isaiah 53, okay? In in the prophets, and yet, um, using, all right, all right, I'll try and go there. I've got, let me see if I can call it up on my Bible. Isaiah 53. So I want you to look for this. It's, it's like this is in a prophetic word, but it's it's the way that... Um, so verse 3 and 4. <clears throat> um, it's a bit hard to show here because the format that on my Bible thing just has all the lines grouped together. And I don't know whether any of these will, um, will split it apart. Of just the format, no, that's, that's not going to work, is it? Um, not oh, of course, okay. Ah, <laughs> uh, this is working really well. Good thing we're not live. <laughs> no, we can't. Okay, we can't. The trouble here is that, um, these are four lines for each verse, yeah. All right, and um, the four lines are given. All bunched together, so this looks like two paragraphs.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. So I'll try and um, this line here, I'll do it in red, and this line here are the have have sort of the the parallel. Mm. Um, A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We excels him sticking. Um, it's it, it's sort of it's not readily. Oh, oops. We hit their face. Our sorrows he carried. But there's 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 meant to be sort of um you, you sort of yeah. Uh, he was just by. There's sort of parallels in them and there's connections and you can sort of try and find. Um, I didn't get that. Can yeah. You try again? Let me just try this again. Yeah. Let, I've done this a little bit poorly. It's not less than ABCDA here, but there's. Let me just try it again. Delete that. Take two. ABCD, but not ABCD in order. Yeah. All right. So I've, I, I said DCBA in here, not necessarily in order. Um, and, um, so what you've got to try and look for is parallel concepts and, and, and lines from one to that he was despised and forsaken of men. Um, so we, we ourselves esteemed him stricken and forsaken of men.
1: Mm. Yeah. Do you I know what I mean? See the parallel.
0: parallel there. um, um a man of
1: um,
0: a man of sorrows and our sorrows he carried. Or? Yeah, a man of sorrows. Our sorrows he carried. Um, if he was you know um, despi- Oops, I'm trying to get- despised. Um, It, it, it was smitten of God. It was like, God didn't like him. You know what I mean? Mm. Despised here. Yeah. And what you've got to look at is the fourth verse. What I'm trying to say is the fourth verse, see in light of the third verse. Not, yeah. as, not as just two totally independent things. Yeah. See, concepts and thoughts rolled over and, 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 and worked into. And these two verses complement and then go in verse 5 okay then how do these verses these lines complement here because that's the the format that they use where they're taking things and they're building and they're complementing and they're repeating and overlapping Um, it's not just i'm giving you thoughts and there's eight different thoughts here no no i'm gonna i'm gonna overlap them and intertwine them and the reason this is important because they intended for you to get that. Yeah. They intended for you to understand those those rolling thoughts and connect them together. So I, prob- I probably haven't done a great job with that, but I've given you the idea I there. That was great. All right. So that you can um, go back and study those so those um, um, those passages and and poems. Now the reason I'm saying it is that because by using these formats. God fully intends for you to not misuse them and interchange their, mm. understa- their concepts. Yeah. You cannot use a narrative, um, like an example of a New Testament narrative, is obviously. Um, can you think of a? Can you think of a part in the Bible that's a New Testament narrative? Acts is one.
1: The acts, yeah. Um.
0: A narrative is just a story telling it's, history of something. It, it, think, think, think right at the start of the New Testament, Matthew Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's telling four stories. All right, it's a narrative. Um, it's telling the story. So it, it's it's meant to, t- but it's done with different purposes and different focus. Um, Luke said this is my reason. Matthew was doing it for a particular reason. Mark did. John did it different again. Mm. Um, but they did it. They were they were narratives. Yeah. But in the narratives, they're telling about what Jesus did. And then Jesus would use a format called a parable. All right? And a parable um, was a story. A story that was to have a, a point. Yeah. All right? It was to carry a, pe- a key point. The reason I've gone to Luke 8, chapter 18 verse, 18, verse 1, I hadn't forgotten. Mm. We're all back here. But I want you to remember. Um, okay, let's ignore verse 1. Let's go to verse 2. He tells this parable. There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God and did not respect me. How do we know it's a parable? How do we know it's a parable is not telling a, it, a, a narrative?
1: Um, so there's some clues it, here. It, like it's not saying a specific real place. Exactly.
0: A certain city. There was a
1: man in a city.
0: There was a judge. There was a widow. Yeah. No names. All right no no name. So that tends to lend itself to be a parable. Yeah. When it's nameless, placeless, but it's
1: can't trace it to yeah, like a person. Not place. a not
0: a um, not not a particular person. Well, if
1: this was their story, you can't. It's yeah. Just a, yeah. Yeah,
0: this is this is not a story he's telling of someone. I I you know, you know like when a preacher says, you know, there was a woman that came to my meeting and she you know, she'd taken four bus trips to get there. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Now, that's not a parable. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's telling, uh, using a story that is a, a real story. A real life story. As a, as a um, uh, illustration. This, this is a, um, a parable. And you can pick up parables because they're nameless and they're faceless. Um, I'm thinking, there's actually a parable that he shared. I, well, I don't know if it's a parable. Okay, uh, this is why. Um, there's actually, I, I, I often just thought it was a parable. Um, remember the, the the beggar that was placed, um, there was a certain rich man, and he dressed in in purple and fine linen, um, and, he, and he died, and he went down to Hades. and But then he said there was a beggar who also died. And oh, the, down the, in
1: the divide. In yeah, the divide. Yeah,
0: but it everything. named the beggar. And it says, the beggar's name was Lazarus. Uh. And so he said, send Lazarus. And so I'm, I'm all, <laughs> like, okay, when it said there was a certain yeah. rich man, that sounds that parable. sounds like that, yeah. But when it named the beggar and gave him a name, I don't know whether Jesus is talking about parable, actually talking about true, you know, like this is like true things that happen. And a parable—it doesn't—it's not making up a fancy... It's not, when I say that, I'm not saying oh, was just a myth. I'm just saying a parable is is a, is a, using true events mm. to make a point. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But the fact that he named one of the people in his story yeah. makes me go: Was he doing that because he needed for them to call out and, and call by name, yeah. or was it because I'm telling you about something I know really happened? <laughs> okay, so that's th- there's, that's a, interesting. there's an interesting. So. so that's why I'm saying, oh, is it a parable or not? Sometimes, oh, I don't know, because he named someone in it, and did he give someone a name in his parable? Very unusual to give a name in a parable, but maybe he needed it for this situation. Ah, so many things to be unsure of. Um, but in this one, parable, because par- it's all unnamed. So, okay, all good. Um, there was this, and there was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him saying, give me legal protection from my opponent. Oh, she sounds like an agar. And for a while he was unwilling, but afterwards he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because his widow bothers me, I will Mm. give her legal protection, lest by continually coming she wear me out. Mm. The Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now shall not God bring about justice for his elect, who cry to him day and night, and will he delay long over them? Um, All right. so if you do not understand how parables work, If you do not now put this in the context of other teaching and other things that God did, if you treat this as God breathed, but forget it's a book, Mm. here's a mistake you will make here. Because this looks like I'm taking it in context. I'm not ripping it out. I'm keeping it in the context of this passage, but I'm losing the context of the book. I'm losing in context of the New Testament. I'm losing in context of the whole Bible, what God is saying. But if I just take this... I could make a teaching, and I could live a lifestyle where I receive this to myself because I don't know what to do. My common sense doesn't help me define this. Yeah, yeah I understand when Timothy was talking to, uh, when sorry, when Paul was talking to Timothy and said, "Preach the word in season and out." I get that. And when he says, "Bring me the cloak that I left," I know not to do that. But when Jesus says to do this, I think I want to be obedient to Jesus. Yeah. I understand the parable. I could understand what Jesus wants, he said, um, who cry to him day and night. Basically, if we will nag God like the widow nagged the judge, that's how we get our prayers answered. Prayer is basically nagging God and forcing God to do what God, you know, what, what we want. Mm. That's what you could take yeah. from this teaching. Yeah. All right, you could take this from the teaching. You could say what Jesus was teaching was we need to be nagging him and being persistent and just getting in his face until we get what we want because that is the style of prayer he responds to. That is what he says is good prayer. The widow's prayer, perfect. That's what we want because that's sort of what it sounds like. Yeah. That's how it reads.
1: Yeah.
0: That's what it does. Okay, so we've got to step back. This is now I'm going to give you some skills and, and sort of say, well, how do I handle this? Do I just say, yeah, well, that sounds good to me, Pastor. In fact, I've, put, I've maybe taught it in my Bible school. You know? uh, okay, this is what you've got to do. Stop and say, okay, first of all, what is Jesus using in terms of the book format? What, what genre is he using? He's using a parable understanding parables and how he was intending to use them and the way that parables themselves work will help you understand what he's doing. Secondly, always feel comfortable understanding that things, especially when we get parables, poetry, things like that, they will get a little bit weird because they will not be self-contained truths. They will will lean to more uh, an emotional impact. The same way as narration actually becomes unemotional.
1: Yeah.
0: It becomes just the facts. This almost swings the other way. Yeah. This is like let, let facts get in the way of a good story. This is about impacting you. Yeah. Alright? That's why the psalmist will will speak and use such language that will build you and exalt you. That's why that's why people will um come and listen to music and it will lift them because the the rhythms and the swords and everything Ah, oh, but they might not be you know, but they you can be singing the most ridiculously simple um things. Mm. You know, I've wept and I've been totally overcome by emotion as I, um, I I sense the glory and presence of God as we have sung over and over and over the word hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, mm. and the presence, and I, we just sing. Can be ten minutes sometimes at singing. Yeah. Hallelujah, yeah. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. To the mind, it's like, hey, move on. Yeah. We've we've said that, but to the heart, the soul, the the emotions, it, it's <coughs> so engaged in this Hallelujah. I'm just expressing all my love through yeah. one word, Hallelujah. Yeah. Ah. Oh. Oh, I love God. Let me say it again. Hallelujah. (laughs) Oh, I want to tell you how much I love it. Hallelujah.
1: Mm. It works. Yeah.
0: All right. Um, Parables are aiming more at impact than they are at fixing your mind. All right. They're not trying to give you um, a philosophy to live by Mm. and a a strategy for your mind to take hold of. They're trying to impact you. Yeah. Now, the reason I've gone to Luke chapter eighteen, verse one, is thankfully. Jesus actually, before this parable, tells us why he told it. He doesn't always do this. There are many parables he te- shares where he just shares the parable, doesn't tell us the point. And um, some of them, I'm still not sure what what he was totally trying to get about. Yeah. Because parables work a little bit like that. Yeah. Okay, but this one
1: were they? I, I'm not sure if my understanding was completely correct before you get to yeah. it. But was it? They're designed in a way that the people that want it. Could get we'll it. Get it, we'll get it. Yeah. But the people like oh that weren't actually all in or didn't really want it wouldn't understand it. Yeah. So you can look at that verse one way, she's nagging God, alright, you haven't got it, so yeah. she's nagging God. But otherwise on the other end, she was persistent. She was she had faith that he was a good judge, that he would or God yeah. is a good judge, yeah. that he will give me justice. So it's like two yeah it's it, it, it uh, exactly ways.
0: right there's there's a when jesus said you know it says jesus actually spoke in parables to hide the truth from the Pharisees you know, people think far, parables were to make things clearer but they actually were um not necessarily to make things clearer and especially the Pharisees he would tell he would talk in their face and and they would be oblivious mm. and so yes there's that point where parables put things in a way that they they couldn't work out what he was saying, and they didn't because they wanted to condemn him. They couldn't work out how to get hold of him. And what you know, is he is he having a go at us? You know, like I think there's one point they say, I think he's having a go at us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's us he's talking about here. Um, I'm not sure whether we can get him on that one. Um, let's get him on a technicality. Let's yeah. do something. And um, so yeah, so parables have that effect that they're they're not necessarily straightforward and not even even understood. And there is an element where a parable, like I said, is aimed. Think of a joke. A joke is meant to have a punchline. Yeah. Without the punchline, the joke is pretty useless. Yeah. And without understanding the punchline, if you go and take this and just sort of, oh, wow, this is teaching. Jesus is teaching. Now, sometimes you can learn things in parables. Mm. And I like, I like, like some, of my, some of the best teachings I, I get from parables. My life lessons are from parables. You know, so I went out to sow the word. On the hard ground, the rocky soil, the, the weed, so, ground with weeds, and the good soil. Mm. Uh, but you notice that the disciples came to him after and said, What do you mean?
1: Yeah.
0: They did, you know, it was like by itself, unsure. Yeah. And thank God he explained it to them, and he said, "The seed is the word of God, and this is because now we are we're all confident. well, you know what the, the seed is the word of God <laughs> we aren only really that confident because he gave us the explanation all right so sometimes when he doesn't give us the explanation, people are like, oh, people are confident, but I'm not so confident mm. sometimes what they're saying. okay, here he tells us i 'm going to tell you this." For this reason, you go back to verse 1. That's why I purposely skipped it. He was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. All right. Ta-da! Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Because I, can I just say, without that, um, I might have got the wrong yeah. punchline. Yeah. I might have taken the wrong message away from this. Yeah. But what it says is... This is the reason I'm sharing this. Mm. If you get something different, you haven't understood what I'm trying to say. Mm. Don't try and take it sideways before you get the main punch. Yeah, and be confident to leave it at the punch. That's the hardest part. Not say, oh, but he also said this, and he also said this, and he also. How do you? He-, he wasn't trying to make a commentary on that. This is what, like, for instance, one of the people say. How could he compare himself to a judge who does not fear God and does not respect yeah. man? God's not a very nice person in this picture. How can he do that? Yeah. How could God, how can he show himself like, like that? Because, like, oh, no, I'm not, that's not what I'm trying to, this is not, okay, if Jesus said, I'm going to tell you a parable to show you what God is like, I'd be more concerned.
1: what that that changes things
0: that changes things if he said I'm going to share you a parable to show you what God and that's why some people say this parable shows us what God is like Mm. parable's got nothing to do with what God's like because it's a parable if Paul, Paul was putting this as a teaching we would treat it differently it's a parable you treat the whole thing as an individual punch get what the punch is if you don't get the punch don't try and interpret anything else yeah Stop and say, what is the punch he's aiming at? Too many people just get a parable, read it. They either go, well, that's weird. Move on. Yeah. Or, oh, grab that, 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 and that. Forget what the punch is. What is he trying to say? Because sometimes in the story, we lose the essence of what he's trying to hit us yeah. with. And um, and this is an amazing story. It's a funny story, like, and and I think there's a sense when Jesus knew it was funny. Mm. You know, here's a little widow in 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 Bible times. Widows, you know, unprotected. You know, uh, un, no no power, and she's she's getting him, yeah. getting at him. And this judge, this nasty old judge, who doesn't care about God and doesn't care about man, he's the worst judge. That's the worst. It's like that's not a judge. A judge should be there. To respect God and His law and out of fear of God serve and then to be serving the people through His thing. This judge is the opposite. I praise God that none of our leaders in our secular society today are like this. Mm. That all our leaders fear God and care about the people. (laughs) I'll just leave that sit there for you to to meditate on. Um, There was a... okay. And there was a widow, and she kept coming and give me legal protection from my opponent. And while he was unwilling, but after he was unwilling, mm. so what we've got to do if I if i not I don't understand how to handle parables. I think my job is to convince God to yeah. get me give me what I want. Yeah, and He's given me license to do it. He's told me just to get in the face of God. God, I know You don't want to do this, but I'm gonna pound You until You You do it and um
1: i will i will not go away
0: <laughs> i'll not go away till i get this you know day and night no oh, man jeez um and i love this this is um this is a beautiful um because this widow bothers me bothers me i will give her legal protection lest by continually come she wears me out mm. um, um now this is one of these ones let, let's can we just have a bit of fun i want you to translate this josh we'll do this very quickly and then we'll we'll finish here um, um How to translate this? How do I know this has got, got a few different options? Okay, oh, I, I look at that. I can't see. What, what's the method, Josh? I told to see if there's um, good. Um, there's multiple options for something is to read multiple translations. Yeah. So if you do a quick comparison, so if you can pull up ten or twelve translations, make sure they're a mixture of um, sort of more word for word, literal sort of hard, you know, ESV. Um, New American, um, and then sw- and moving across into more central ones, the NET, the NIV, and then moving across into more free translations, Thought for Thought, NLT, and then going across even to the Message Bible and um, the Living Bible. Mm. So, so you get that bit of range. You've got about seven or eight different translations, so we're going to cover the gamut. And um, have a look here... Um, She'll wear me out by her unding, ending. ending Please, she wear me out. She doesn't wear me out. Um, otherwise, she'll keep coming and pestering me till she wears me out. She weary me um, because she's wearing me out.
1: Drive me crazy.
0: Um, message Bible. Otherwise, I'm going to end up being up beaten black and blue by her pounding. Oh, not wearing out, beaten black and blue. Finally, wear me out. Good night and coming, she may plague me. As like, um, and let's see what the amplifier does. Okay, Amplified, another good helpful one because if there's multiple things, sometimes it'll give them all, Yeah. okay, to help you understand. Yeah, because this widow continues to bother me, I'll defend and protect and avenge her, lest she give me intolerable annoyance. Okay, see, oh, so Bible is intolerable annoyance. All right, you got that, Josh? That's what Jesus, I Jesus that said. Head. I'm going to teach you the way to pray. Mm. Didn't say that. He said, I'm going to teach you what God is like. Didn't say that. I'm going to teach you a style of prayer that you need to continually do. Didn't say that. Mm. Otherwise, I'm doing intolerable annoyance mm. and I, and wear me out by her continued coming. At the last, she come and rail on me, or assault me, or strangle me. <laughs> yeah. Whoa.
1: That's leading to a physical. That's
0: physical. So how can we do this? All right. So I, I'm just going to use my Bible translation notes here. And oh, not my, my Bible app here. Uh, let's come down. So, what I'm doing is going to my Bible, and you see I've got the the Greek numbers next to each thing here. And wear me out. Let's see, 5299. Let's see what that word is. And I'm going to click in here that my. um, Hupo Piazzo. Hupo Piazzo. The part of the face which is under the eyes. So from hoopoe, under, and ops, the eyes. So the part of the face just under the eyes. round here. Mm -hmm. Um, To strike under the eyes, beat the face black and blue, give a black eye. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty serious. That's pretty serious, isn't it? Now, do you see how most of the translations translated it? They said to wear me out. Yeah. All right. So when I say hit the road, do I mean hit the road or not hit the road? Yeah. All right. So just because that's what this says doesn't mean that's what it means. Yeah. But it was using an idiom, a phrase, I, um, I don't know, I actually don't know the proper grammatical term here. It was using this phrase, to beat the face black and blue. In the, in the New Testament, it generally means to mistreat, um, spoken of the body, to subject, to hardship, to mortify. It's figuratively, to weary with prayers and treaties, to tire out someone with, So in Luke chapter 18 says, it's, it means to, to just weary them. Alright. Yeah. So I'm using a, a physical word yeah. to mean oh, I'm just tired. Doesn't mean that she literally beat him up. Mm. But as part of me likes the um I like the
1: <laughs> I like gets the message across. Yeah,
0: I like I like the punch of it. Um taking my tongue in, um boom boom. Um to I, I she says unless she She's going to punch you in the face. Yeah, this
1: is what's going to happen. I'm sick
0: of I'm sick. this woman. I'm sick of this woman. I stop. Stop. I've had you. Now she wasn't literally punching him. Yeah. But it was like he was. Ah, oh, so I've learnt now how to pray. I'm going to punch God in the face till I get what I want. <laughs> that, just, <laughs> that sounds terrible. But that's what he taught. Okay. That's not understanding how the Bible is a book, and. I'm not being picky and choosy. I am understanding the context of the style, the, the genre. It's a parable. He teaches it to give you an impact. He intends you to take this teaching, mm. get what he has intended for it, and then he wants you to use the rest of his teachings and the rest of the New Testament. And so, even though the New Testament didn't exist, there's, that's how it works with God. Understand how this fits in with the other parts of the word of God to bring the balance to show you which parts of the parable are not things that you take into your normal life. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So which parts work and which parts don't? That's okay, it's a parable. They're not all meant to have an exact um in a correlation with, with spiritual life. Mm. Alright. So what was it that he was trying to get across? Well, we know. The main part was
1: to not give up.
0: To not give up. Pray and not give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. up. So then he uses a very strange parable. It's like, why would he use this parable? Because there's nothing so desperate and um, powerless as a widow Mm. with a judge that. Has all the power. That yeah. does not care about God or care about her. But he said, "But if that, that pure persistence gets through, mm. and he said, so God's so saying, hey, you do have a righteous judge. You do have a just cause. You do have all. You have everything going with you. But there are times when that won't get it done. Mm. Just be like a widow who." even when she's got all that going against her, yeah. she doesn't give up.
1: Mm.
0: How much should you, who's got it all going for you, yeah. not give up? Mm. Okay? The okay. widow who was all going against her didn't give up. How much should you, with a loving God, yeah. who doesn't have to punch him in the face, <laughs> who has someone, who, well, you shouldn't give up either. Mm. If she didn't give up, yeah. you shouldn't give up.
1: Yeah.
0: All right? Oh, that I can get. Mm. I can look at her circumstances, and he's not saying you need to. It's just like when she's just like she's praying. No, she's in an awful situation with an unjust judge. Yeah. You're in a situation with a righteous judge, but yeah. there's not. You're not getting the answer. But she didn't give up. Why should you? Yeah. You're in a far better situation.
1: Yeah.
0: So don't give up. Don't give up. You, you, you be just as you be show just as much perseverance, if not more, because you're in a better situation. Mm. Oh, but should I treat you like the righteous judge? God's like, where did you ever get that from? So then you go, and see, See, okay, so... That's missing the punchline. Missing the punchline. Now, what I'm saying is, don't go sideways until you've got the punchline. When you've got the punchline, then, the, then everything else can be seen in light of that. Yeah. So when I share it like that, it's like, ah, uh, yeah, that is the punchline. That makes plenty of sense. Of course we don't need to do all the other stuff. Because this is the message. Yeah. And then how do I know that's the message? How do I know? Because I go to other passages sideways where it talks about the nature and character of God. Mm-hmm. And he's not an unjust God who cares not about people. This is Jesus who left heaven to come to earth to die for us. Yeah. God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son. Ah, that tells me about God, Jesus. You know, Jesus is love. Do you know what I mean? Mm. God is love. Ah, oh, that's who he is. He cares for us. He, you know, I, I go back into the Old Testament where he cares for a dying flame and he cares. He's, he's caring. He's not unjust. He is just and he will bring justice to those who you know, call out to him. Mm. You know, ah, ah, ah. I, I go to John, 1 John 5 where it talks about, um, it, oh, let, let's just finish with this. I'm not entering a new thought so this is still my closing. Um, Um, Verse 14. This is the confidence we have before him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears Mm. us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. Mm -hmm. All right. 14 and 15 paint a different picture to the, the widow. Yeah. People say contradiction.
1: Mm.
0: Not a contradiction. Parable. Plain teaching to New Testament church. Which one are you going to put more weight in? Of course this one. Mm. Because Jesus always intended you for you to have this type of understanding. To look at the parable in. So that you would judge the parable and say, well, of course I'm not going to try and pound God in the face. Mm. Because it says if I, I have confidence, if I ask him and he hears us. So when I come to God, my pounding isn't to say, give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. My pounding is, you've heard me, you've answered me, you've provided for me. God, you are not an unjust judge. I will praise you, I will glorify you, I will thank you. Mm. Do you see that my pounding becomes a, I'm not pounding him in the face, I'm pounding the devil in the face by giving mm. glory to God. Yeah, <laughs> Do you know it's, what I mean? it's
1: a faith that he's looking for
0: yeah yeah I, I'm ex- because he told me to um, go back to Luke 8, 81 told me this parable so I ought to pray and not lose heart and give up. Yeah. now this is the, the best part about it and always where it leads because this is God breathed. If this becomes an intellectual exercise, you say, ah, oh, now I understand how this parable works. Now I understand what Jesus was saying. Mm-hmm. Now I understand how I shouldn't pray like this. Now I understand why you're wrong to pray like the widow, and you're wrong to do this, and you're wrong to do that. Man, I'm the sheriff. I'm going to tell everybody who. You know that preacher who said, we've got to be like the widow? Well, he's actually wrong because we don't pray like the widow because I've discovered that in you know, 1 John 5, this is how we pray. You've
1: understood the, jo- the joke, but you haven't found it funny. Yeah. So it, it, it hasn't had the effect.
0: Well, you know what you've done? You've, you've listened to the joke and you've missed the punchline. Yeah. You just, you've, the punchline's push. It's not in order to make you more empowered in what you know. It says, this parable was to show that all times you, you ought to pray and you ought not to lose heart in your prayer. If at the end of the day, reading this doesn't make your heart get big and you just want to get out there and punch the devil in the face while you give glory to God. <laughs> yeah, Punch a demon on the left and a demon on the right. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Jesus, for my answered prayer. I don't have to punch you. You're not the unrighteous judge. But you told me. You told me. You actually told me there are going to come times when I need to, to know that a widow wouldn't give up in her desperate situations with a terrible judge. Yeah. And you said, look at her, how she didn't give up. Well, you know what? Well, what, Will I give up? No, I will not. I will not give no, up. I will not give up. I'm not going to become her and punch you in the face. Mm. But I'm going to look at her and say, well, she didn't give up. Yeah. And she got her answer, mm-hmm. even though she had an unrighteous judge. I've got a righteous judge who cares about me. Wow. I mean, a... and I'm not going to lose heart. I'm going to get my faith stirred. And I'm so what you should do is you go away from this. And you think about a prayer thing, something you've been believing God for, something you've been standing on. And you might say, you know what, that, that widow woman's putting me to shame. <laughs> I'm sort of like, oh. Yeah. God, when you're ready,
1: yeah. and he's
0: like, look at her. Yeah.
1: She's
0: not she's not accepting it. Yeah. Okay, I'm fired up. I'm I'm gonna give this i am I'm gonna get I'm gonna get my heart refired in my prayer. Ah, oh, what have you done? Two things. You've treated this like a book, mm-hmm. which meant you dug in to get the punchline. Yeah. But you've treated it like God breathed and let it work in you, yeah. change you. And make your faith get big yeah. and get your heart big and do what God's called you to. And that's what it's all about. Mm. And that's, that's what so I, I want to give you those skills. So to, the things we learned today is that you need to know the, the different styles, the genres, so that you can handle them appropriately and then understand that each passage you've given is meant to be taken with other passages feeding in. Yeah. First of all, get what it's intended to do. Ask the questions. Dig in. Not, Don't dig in to find deep stuff that's that no one else has heard about. That's not the idea. I'm wanting to know, what did Jesus mean? Mm. What was he trying? He was trying to get something clear over. That's what a parable. Read a parable and try and get the punch. Without the punch, then you can't sort mm. of understand. Then... Take what God says in other places and bring that to uh, a, a compliment to it, and then let it work in your heart and your life and, and, and actually act, act it out. Mm. Get out there and, and do let, let it. When I was preaching that, some of that stuff that I. Let me share how some of this works. You might say, oh, you've got amazing ability. Some of that. I didn't understand that parable properly until I was sharing it with you. As I, like, I, I've understood it and I've preached mm. it, but as I'm sharing it, it's making more sense. Yeah. Alright. My heart's getting big as I'm preaching it. Not because I'm I'm so sort of sharing it with you, but because ah this is it. I'm not gonna let that widow mm. out persist me.
1: Fresh revelation.
0: Because wow, she's got an unjust judge. She's all alone. She's in a horrible situation. Yeah. I'm supported. I've got friends. Yeah. I've got angels cheering me on and I've got a good loving God who's on my side. I'm not going to let her out persist me, <laughs> and yeah, I know wearing is a, using this idiom of punching in the face. But you know what? I get it. But mm-hmm. I'm not going to punch you. I'm not going to weary you, God, because you're too loving and too good, and you don't deserve to be slapped around. I'm not going to slap you around until you give my hand. That's stupid. I would never do that. But I tell you what, i would do. Like I like the concept you give me. I can slap around the angels, the devils. <laughs> I'm
1: praising God and then yeah. at the same praise moment, God, hallelujah.
0: Because I'm going to weary the enemy. Yeah. Weary the enemy with my praises. I'm going to weary the resistance with my glory. Because, you know, I know that's not what the parable said, but I've got the heart of the parable.
1: Yeah.
0: I've got what it says. All right? So, um, amen. Well, thank you. Thank you, um, Seth. I really appreciate that you've joined with us. Appreciate your encouragement there. It's exciting to have you guys join us from um, America. And for all those who've been watching and joining right through the end, thank you so much. Josh, thank you. You're amazing to have you here. Um, and uh, it's amazing to, to have your support. Don't forget, you are welcome to come and sit in the studio with us at any time and um, be part of this. You don't have to sit behind the camera. You don't have to come in. You can just sit there. You don't have to be... Um, you can always say this, say don't, talk, don't say anything to me. Uh, I just want to sit and watch. Or you can be, come here and actually engage and be mm-hmm. part of it. Whichever. I love the fact that we can engage because um, the Word of God is amazing As we dig into it, it Mm. transforms our lives. And I just want that to be your experience. God bless you. Look forward to seeing you next Friday. Next Friday is is Good Friday. We will not be here next Friday. It's Good Friday. So in two weeks' time, we look forward to seeing Mm. you. Um, have a great fortnight. If this is your first time or you've only just joined us more recently, go back and check out our website, breakthrough.org.au slash academy, and it'll take you to a webpage where you can find all the different teachings mm-hmm. we've had up to this point. God bless you.